In today's episode, I'll be doing the first ever interview on this podcast as part of the reality series. This series will be about real couples and individuals who have had early success in their real estate investing journey. On today's episode, I am having my sister and brother-in-law, Kimberly and Patrick Rusin, join me on the show to talk about their success with building equity in three properties, all of which they invested in under the age of 30. So let's jump right to it. As always, welcome to this real estate investing lifestyle. Broadcasting from somewhere around the world, this is the Real Estate Nomad Podcast with Paulo Francilio, where we talk about creating passive income through real estate investing to live your best life. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Real Estate Nomad Podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys on today's episode. Thanks for having us on. You're my first ever interview on the show and the first guest on the reality series. So why don't we start off with a quick introduction of who you are and what you guys do? Sure. Am I going first? <laughs> okay. Uh, my name is Kim. Uh, I am a pharmaceutical marketer. I actually work in oncology. So uh, I have worked in oncology for about a year. And previous to that, I had worked in the autoimmune portfolio. And I've been working with this company for about five years now. Perfect. And Pat? Uh, my name is Pat. I'm an application engineer for a tech company. Uh, I've been in this role for almost five years now. Um, so I just get to just basically travel and help support our sales guys. Yeah. So you used to travel a lot more, but I guess because of COVID, like that hasn't happened in a while, but I know that you've been to quite a few places like Brazil and I think uh, even even India, right? Yep. So I spent two weeks in India for work, uh, Brazil a couple of times, Italy, almost every state. So I've been, been traveling quite a bit <laughs> in the last few years. That's awesome that you get to travel for work. Well, that is one of the themes of this podcast, living life and traveling to explore different cultures. So before we get started, I always start each show by talking about the episode's thumbnail photo. For this one, I figured, you know what, between having my sister and my brother-in-law, and we traveled into quite a few places now, I think I counted at least with Pat, Panama, Peru, Philippines, Thailand, right? Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I, I chose Thailand for this one. And it was funny because I messaged Kim earlier and I'm like, yeah, so I, I think I'm going to choose uh, Chiang Mai. And then you reminded me of the hotel that we've stayed at there. And I was telling Kiara actually uh, about the hotel because uh, it was pretty <laughs> creepy. Well, yeah, how about you tell the listeners what that, uh, that hotel was like, or was it like a hostel? I, I, I don't even remember. Yeah, I honestly don't even remember why we ended up there. I, I feel like we had changed one of our reservations so that we could stay in Chiang Mai longer, meaning that we didn't have another hotel booked. Um, and we quickly had gone on Expedia and there was like, you know, this uh, four or five star hotel. And we're like, oh, it's weird. It's called the Teddy Bear Hotel. Um, I guess it's like, you know, part of their culture maybe it's something cute to attract people and we get there and there's just like teddy bears literally all over the place and then i remember you guys taking a picture um in the lobby with two giant uh teddy bears that were literally your size no i i remember that um i think was it pat that put it at the top of the stairs that 
you guys were coming up and it kind of just scared you guys. That, that was funny. I, I barely remember that. I was, and you know my memory, right? So I was kind of like, oh, Chiang Mai. I'm like, oh yeah, that, that's where we did that. And the, I, I, I was thinking more really the cooking lessons and the elephant uh, sanctuary. Those are my two favorite things in the whole trip to Thailand. Would, would you say it's your one thing? <laughs> I think I think in, no Thailand uh, like even though I chose Chiang Mai my one thing was probably stay at the Libua State Tower which was pretty, <laughs> yeah, pretty which was pretty baller <laughs> but in terms of the actual like what I enjoy the most I think that the playing around with the elephants to me that, that was the best part yeah it's well, crazy well, they're like giant puppies <laughs> Exactly. And that's something that I never imagined before. It's like literally you're playing and pushing around with them and they can trample over you, right? <laughs> Actually, Kim, like I, I mentioned the cooking lessons, like that's something I would recommend. I think you were, you booked that. So yeah, I don't. I think we had booked it actually ahead of going to Thailand, and um, I want to say it was honestly just like googling, googling a bunch of things to do. I uh, came across, you know, cooking classes as being one of the top things that people recommend, and until to the today um, we both said that you know Thailand has had the best cuisine out of all the places that we've traveled to um, we ended up booking with I think it's called Asia Scenic and uh, they they were fabulous like they, they did the whole tour of the market and then we had made three different dishes I think Pat ended up making like curry paste from scratch I think we also made like the mango pudding um, but it was very good and like it was funny because actually you and Tanya didn't want to do a cooking class you're like cooking class like I go on vacation so people will cook for me and and you know that, that you were like fine you did the stuff that we wanted to do so like we'll do what you want to do and then they ended up loving it it was definitely a great experience because you learn about the different ingredients they use in their food to create those delicious Thai flavors. So there you have it. Those are my two recommendations in Chiang Mai, cooking lessons and the elephant sanctuary. And for the elephants, make sure you choose a tour company that is humane, ones that don't use saddles and straps to ride the elephants. Now let's get right into the show. So first off, I want to say congratulations. You guys purchased uh i can see in the background there like well i don't think pat's background is legitimately your new house but kim yeah that that is your living room and uh <laughs> i've heard actually because i haven't seen the house as i haven't been back in canada yet but i've heard great things even mama was saying how great it is and describing me the different rooms it's like it's so beautiful <laughs> like uh I, i've never seen a barbecue like that like she was like praising your house all over and it's like, oh, it's so nice and elegant. So congratulations on that. So how's everything? Are you guys all settled in now? Uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. Uh, you know, a lot of things always on the on the go at the same time. A lot of little things to fix up, but we're, we're slowly settling it in. See the, like the Pat's background. Pat's background is actually like what he aspires his office to be. So when he's saying like, you know, we're getting settled in, he's saying like, I'm trying to build this massive bookcase behind me, but it's probably not going to happen. That's too also fun. don't own that many books. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can do a wallpaper, like I'm looking like that, just to do a wallpaper. 
Um, how, how was the experience? Like, uh, that's the one thing I wanted to bring up because it's such a crazy market. I know you guys kind of bought at such a busy time when there's multiple offers. And how was that? Like, and how do you feel about it now? Uh, I think it was daunting. I mean, we have a lot of friends around our age also looking for houses, and we were kind of um, warned ahead of time before actually going out to see houses that it was crazy. Like they're like things get snatched up very quickly. Um, you'll see, you'll fall in love with houses, and then you know be disappointed because you don't win the bidding process, and then try to fall in love again with another house. So that that was pretty accurate from what we felt. Um, and, you know, we were about an hour away from where we are now. So we were spending weekends trying to see as many houses as possible and cramming them into one day. Um, I don't know, Pat, if you want to add anything in there. Yeah, no, we agree with that sentiment. Uh, for me, I guess I would say hectic. It just felt like everything was like very, very quick. Um, kind of like Kim was saying, you know, you go see a house and then you'd see it on Saturday and they're like, all right, offers first thing Monday. And you had to basically, you know, 48 hours to decide, is this the house that we want? And then if it is, you know, um, you had to go through the whole bidding process. So mm -hmm. that was pretty frustrating for me. Uh, I know I made this joke a few times to a lot of people that we know um, that like a house is one of like the biggest things you buy. And it seems to, for me, it seems like the most like cloak and dagger buying process. Like, even a car they'll let you take and hey, you know, you have to drive it around for a week. If you don't like it, you could bring it back. Once you buy your house, that's that's pretty much it, right? That's the end. <laughs> yeah, and with today's seller's market, there's so much pressure for you to go in on go in firm on an offer after seeing it what once. Oh, yeah, and, and like that, I think it was even yeah, I was just gonna say it was even crazier because like on top of like the bidding war, you also couldn't go in with conditions. So I don't know if that was that's what you were going to touch on, Pat. Yeah, exactly. Just the fact that, you know, even almost going in blind, like, I don't know how common, you know, full inspections are for some people. Um, but to not really even have almost the option because of the fear of basically losing out on the bid, just because, you know, it's an extra hoop that the seller has to jump through. And if they've got mm -hmm. two or three offers that are basically the same as yours without that condition on there, you know, it might, might exclude you from getting that dream home. So it's just kind of having to make these decisions which i don't know for me felt like without all the information was pretty nerve-wracking yeah you, you quite literally see the house one time and then have to put an offer in no <laughs> and conditions then, and, just... and, de and deposit like what 30 40 000, right and then it's like mm -hmm. no take you know no taking it back <laughs> yeah no returns yeah. <laughs> and, yeah we joked about like okay what are the biggest things that could go wrong because like that's kind of the situation you have to prepare for like maybe there's a crack in the foundation do we have to replace windows and we literally were googling the most expensive repairs possible um because that's just you know the world you live in when you can't do an inspection and you only have seen the house once that is definitely a great tip. I believe it was episode two. I touched on a few tips on how to navigate this multiple offer scenarios. I think that is a great add-on to that. If you are putting a firm offer without the inspection clause, make sure you check out the most expensive things that you may need repairs, like the foundation, old plumbing, the roof, just to name a few. If you know someone who knows about construction, bring them along when you see the property so they can give you their professional opinion. Yeah, exactly. But this is not your first property. Technically, this is your third property that you've invested in. Mm -hmm. 
in 2018, you invested in your first property in Kitchener and you weren't quite ready then, but I encouraged you and assisted you with this first home. Do you guys remember how much it was? As I, I did the mortgage for it. So I, I tried to pull the numbers last night, but I want to see if you guys remember. I think that one was uh, 415. I was going to say 420, right? but yeah, somewhere around there. Ooh, I think it was 415. I think actually at that time, which is why it's crazy, um, we actually paid below list price, um, which is not the case right now. <laughs> <laughs> so close. It was 425. So that was july actually it's hitting three years right now is it's their third year anniversary having that property i i love i'm the one telling you guys this right <laughs> but yeah, it's been a few years <laughs> how, how much do you guys think it is now because i i did a bit of research last night to find out what that property is now i don't know throw a number uh, uh 615 Ooh. Is it prices right rules? Um, I'm gonna go <laughs> six twelve. <laughs> well, as of recent sales comparables, that property is about six hundred seventy-five thousand. So that's about two hundred fifty thousand appreciation in a span of three years. So just so people have an idea what type of property this is, it's a two-story townhouse condo in Kitchener, Ontario. After that, I gave you guys an opportunity to be a co-owner of the family cottage in Wasega Beach. Just to give people an idea, this property is technically not a cottage. It is a detached raised bungalow that is a five-minute walk to Beach 6 in Wasega. I have owned this property sin with our uh, aunt and uncle since 2011, and in 2019, they wanted to sell it. Do you guys remember how much it was when you guys bought in? God. <laughs> You're making me look sad here. I have no idea. <laughs> Or, oh, no, Pat, do you remember? Like, Pat, Pat's not helping you out. I have a terrible memory. I, say I have a terrible memory. Four something. <laughs> I want to say like low fours. Uh, no, it was it was high. It was high force. It was four ninety. Ah, there you go. So I gave you guys uh, opportunity to jump into that and buy out basically uh, our aunt just so that we can continue with it because there was a good tenant on there that I wanted to keep and I wanted to keep it in the family, right? So with that property, the. I, I'm going to stop the guessing game. I'm just going to tell you guys what it is. <laughs> One more time. I, I could do it. Hold on. That property Four. as of today without any renovations. 620. You, how much? 620. Pat? I have no idea what Wasega houses go for. So there was, <laughs> there was, that Wasega house now, because of the market, it has actually increased to about... I wouldn't sell it in less than seven fifty at this point. So you were part of the appreciation from four ninety to seven fifty in a span of that was December twenty nineteen. That is a two hundred sixty thousand dollar increase in a year and a half. So between the two properties, you have been a part of a capital appreciation of about five hundred thousand dollars within a three year time frame. And even though you don't have full ownership of the properties, your percentage still ends up being a couple of hundred thousand. I'm not even factoring the mortgage paydowns on this, meaning you have even more equity that I'm not considering. And now you just invested in a new principal residence that will continue to increase your net worth over time. Yeah, I feel like that warranted a mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> and I purposely didn't tell you guys this values before the podcast because I wanted to hear your real reactions and also to demonstrate how passive real estate investing is. Basically, you invested in some good properties, put it in the back of your minds, and you're building wealth without even knowing it. I also wanted to add, 
the first property you were able to refinance to help out a bit on the property that you have now. Oh yeah, I, it, we definitely wouldn't have been ready at the time that we were able to get this house. Mm-hmm. Um, just owning a property and having that equity basically be able to take that money out to help for this down payment was definitely a huge, a huge boost and really made this possible for us. Yeah. And from the last episode, episode three, I focus on the advantage of being invested in a rental property. As it is not your principal residence, you can liquidate or refinance this at any time and utilize your built-up equity without affecting your personal finances or personal life as it is a separate asset. I also just wanted to point out, I know I have encouraged you guys to invest into these properties, but I do not want to take away from your own personal successes. You guys are financially savvy on your own. You guys have great credit, good incomes that made you qualify for the mortgages for these properties. But I believe with a bit of assistance and a bit of push from my end, you guys are financially further ahead. And investing in real estate three years earlier than you probably would have planned, you have increased your net worth a couple of hundred thousand. I think it was actually a massive push in some circumstances. (laughs) A push (laughs) and a kick and another kick. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. You know, like, I think we, yes, we qualified and stuff, but it's not something that was top of mind for us. Like, we were still just, you know, had a savings account and we're, we're basically trying to hit different milestones. Like, we bought our first property right before we had gotten married. So, we were like, you want us to buy this now? Like, we have to pay for our wedding in, in a few months from now. Like, this makes no sense. So, I think um, having someone that you trust and to help you walk through the numbers um, definitely helped us made more of like a data-driven uh, decision. You know, because a lot of people hesitate. And like, you guys are not the only ones, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think what I added to it was your confidence because you guys have seen me do it throughout the years and, you're, and you had that comfort level. And my, yeah. my, my point to it even is like, you don't totally have to understand the process, right? You just have to have somebody mm-hmm. you trust that kind of guides you along the way because it is, you're, you are committing hundreds of thousands, right? So it, it is a big commitment. Mm-hmm. It is scary. And now that you've had some experience with investing in real estate and you have interest in three properties, what would you advise people out there who are just starting off uh, with this current market, uh, right? Well, like uh, prices are a lot higher. There's a lot of uh, multiple offer scenarios. What would you tell these people? Hmm. Well, well, obviously, like investing early is good, but I feel like that's so far from where what we were thinking about at that time. Like, I think, you know, things that we were thinking about were very basic, like make sure you pay your visa on time or, or your credit card on time because you want to have good credit. Like a lot of people talk about having good credit and you're kind of like when you're younger, like, but what for? Um, I, I think that plays a big factor. Uh, I think we already talked about finding someone you trust and um, being able to kind of run through the numbers and, and kind of scenario play and contingency play on, okay, if this happens, what's going to happen so that you have the right expectations going in um, and you're prepared for different scenarios. Like I don't think anyone would have anticipated, you know, the market that it is today when we had first started three years ago. No, definitely. Pat, uh, do you want to add yeah, I think the other thing I would add is uh, when you're looking for tenants, try and find, you know, some good tenants. We've been very lucky in the <laughs> fact that uh, for, somebody that doesn't for... call you if they've had it or having uh, bathroom issues or like, you know, like <laughs> yeah. the, the toilet won't go down. Those are, 
Those are fun problems, though, that they call you for. <laughs> yeah, but for like the Wasaga property and even these new tenants and in, in the second property there, you know, we've been pretty fortunate um, as far as, you know, everything's been running pretty smoothly for the last couple of years. So that's definitely uh, helps, takes off, you know, some of the pressure and some of the stress that you're not really having to, you know, constantly be worrying about the state of, of your property because, you know, at the end of the day, it is your investment and you want to make sure, you know, they're not mm -hmm. mistreating it and they're, and they're making their rental payments on time and different things like that. So, um, yeah, besides all the other things we've touched on already, mm -hmm. I would say good tenants is a good one. Yes. Having great tenants is the key to success with investing in real rental properties. This can make or break your experience with investing in real estate. I think this is one of the main reasons people hesitate uh, with owning rental properties because they hear about all these horror stories of bad tenants. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say that we have just been lucky with tenants as there is a process of identifying ideal tenants. I will have an episode on that. Okay. Well, I appreciate the time guys. And you know, there, there you have it for anybody listening. That's some advice for a couple under 30 that's building wealth in real estate. Um, and I think for the most part, they don't even know. They, they, never, <laughs> they, they don't know what the value of their investment has been. And that's the great thing about real estate. It's, and I don't think it has anything to do with uh, you guys just are not knowledgeable about it. It's because it's so passive. It's something like you kind of put aside and then now, you know what, come like, I don't know if we're going to keep it till re retirement time, right? But the idea is you're building wealth towards the future. And if you ever decided to just, you know what, let me sell this and let me enjoy a hundred or 200,000 and let me live life. I think that's the idea there. So, and, and that's, that is what I promote in this podcast is having that investment where you can kind of cash out at any time and you know what, and do something that you enjoy. Don't be stuck in a job that you don't do. You don't like, because this gives you options. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, guys, again, appreciate the time. Uh, thanks a lot for joining me on this podcast. Thanks for having us on. Uh, thanks for all your help with all these investments and looking forward to the next episode. There you have it. Our, our first guest on the reality series, a young professional couple starting to build wealth and real estate in today's market. The main reason I started this series is to show how people can invest in real estate with today's prices and still have significant gains in their investment. I started to invest in real estate over a decade ago where my first three properties were below 250000 Prices have doubled or tripled since, so in this series I will be talking to real couples and individuals that have been successful with today's more recent real estate market conditions. So make sure you stay tuned for the next ones. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please make sure to follow me on your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast will be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or you can stream it directly online at realestatenomad.ca. It is free to follow. If you have any questions, please DM me on your Instagram at realestatenomad. Thanks for your time listening, and please comment and give the podcast a five-star rating if you have found some value in today's episode. Again, Welcome to this real estate investing lifestyle.